Would you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, and we're going to read through 6-4. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day that you've allowed us to be here. We're thankful that you've chose to save us. And Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand today and proclaim your word and pray, Father, that through this, you would be glorified. Perhaps we would look at our lives and repent of any sin that we might have. Perhaps we would look at our lives and and choose to forgive someone who's wronged us. Perhaps we would choose to be a little less harsh on people who've made mistakes. So, just praying for your guidance today, and praying through it all, Lord, that you be exalted. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things that I've been been very overwhelmed with in this uh, last few years is just the honesty of people who, who have joined our church. Um, the testimonies that they give, I, I'll be honest with you, until last few years, I have not seen that kind of honesty in church people. So when people give, give their testimonies, they're honest. You know what? None of them said they were perfect. Well, I knew they weren't perfect, but at least they said it. I'm not perfect. I'm still not perfect. Never will be on this side of heaven. But I just am refreshed by the honesty of people said, listen, I was in a bad way. I was sin. There was sin in my life. I was doing these things. And God chose to save me. Just so thankful for that. Well, I want to give you, I think it's important that we know each other and that we know where we come from. And I know a lot about some of you in here, and I hope to learn more. 
but I think it's important that we know where people come from. That is their story. People have went to church for a long time and, and have been around other people. You see them in church, but you don't know anything about them. They appear to be really nice people, but you don't know them. And you'll never know them because they're never going to tell you anything about them. They would certainly never confess to you that there was sin in their lives at one time or another. Because that would be a sign of weakness. We can't show weakness. That's the mindset of some folks. Many of you know my, my life story. Many of you have heard part of it. I'm going to give you some more of it this morning very briefly. First of all, I would say, don't think that I'm being critical of my parents. They were young. They made mistakes. Please do not take it that I am criticizing them. I just want to be honest and matter of fact because both of my parents had, had remorse for the choices they made. You can't go back and change things. If they would, they would have changed it because both of my parents at the time of their death were, uh, were Christians. And they carried around a lot of weight of bad choices in their life. And I've got more to say about that later. So, uh, I was the second child. Um, don't have many memories of my family together. Uh, very few memories I have of my, of my childhood. My mother would take me to the beer joint. That's what they used to call them back now. I guess they're clubs now. It used to be beer joint. And I grew up in Comanche, and there was several on Main Street. My mother would say, go in there and get your dad and tell him it's time to come home. Dad would work right after work, go to the beer joint. So she'd send me in there, and I'd say, Dad, Mom wants you to come home. Okay, I'll be there for a while. Two, three hours later, might come home. It was, it was that way pretty much my whole childhood. It was two, two young people struggling to raise four kids now, an unstable marriage, and uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of abandonment, and uh, they finally got a divorce. Well, it wasn't much difference because I never saw my dad anyway, really. But this now is my mother was her time to live. You know, that mentality back then was, okay, I gave up all these years. Now I want to see what life's about. So pretty much abandoned. And uh, when I was like six or seven years old, I don't remember. I remember, comp I, I guess I made too many demands on my mom. And she said, well, if you want to go live with your dad, you can go live with your dad. She gathered up a little box of stuff. That's all I had. Junk. No clothes. She took me to uh, about a block from my grandfather's house. Opened the door. Set my stuff out. Set me out. Off she went. So, I lived with my granddad for a little while. A couple of years, maybe. 
My dad was starting a new family. He didn't have time for, for me. Uh, but I remember that time my mom said uh, she had remarried. And this guy, we, mean, we, were, we were poor. We were so poor. Before she met this guy, I mean, before I actually went and moved with my granddad, I remember times we would look in the icebox There might be some sugar. There might be some ketchup. And I do remember there was a bottle of syrup because my brother and I drank it. We were so hungry. But my, my mother had met a guy, got married. He was a very good provider. Made a lot of money. He was a body man. Worked on cars and very talented person. Uh, she said, would you come, come back and live with us? And I was lonely. I mean, it's just me and my granddad, and he had a girlfriend. So I would come home from school to just be me by myself, a little kid. And uh, I said, sure, I'll come back. Well, when I went back to live with my mom, we moved to, to Snyder, Oklahoma. I was about nine years, old, nine years ten years old. And, uh, wow, I, I went from being this... This kid that maybe had one pair of jeans and a t-shirt that was too big to uh, a father, a stepfather who had, had everything. Bought me guns, bought me a motorcycle, bought me all this stuff. Taught me how to work hard. I love to work. But he taught me how to work hard. Taught me a lot of great things. But along with that came abuse. There was beatings all the time. Um, my two sisters actually, my, my older sister left home when she was 12 or 13. Uh, he was just a very hard man. Very, very hard. And for a long time I thought, you know, it's me. I'm the one messing up. I wouldn't get these beatings, these whoopings if I didn't need it. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind that it, things were going too far was I woke up one morning and our house was an old farmhouse that had some work done and my mother and stepfather lived on this end of the house. And there were doors that separated the house. Somehow or another, during the cold winter night, our propane heater shut off. But the propane kept running. We... One of the kids accidentally woke up because I don't think it was intended that we wake up. I think my stepfather was trying to kill us. And I say that now with some degree of certainty because he did end up killing somebody later on. So I'm thinking about that as a young child. Why would, why would, that, why would he try to do that? Why would he try to kill us? And I asked my mother years later, and said, Mom, did you not think that? And she said, well, yeah, I did. I thought he might have been trying to do it. Why didn't you do something? I don't know. Another time, uh, I mean, by this time I'm scared to death, okay? I'm thinking, okay, all these beatings and now this. We lived out in the country between Snyder and India home and we had an old cistern. Do y'all know what a cistern is? Well, he put me down in that cistern with a ladder. Put me in a cistern. And that's, that's why today I'm a little leery of elevators. I don't like to be in an elevator by myself, actually. But he put me down in that cistern, took the ladder out, and left. 
He said, I want you to clean this cistern out. I thought, well, this is into me. I'm not getting out of this well. Just so happened my little brother was there, and that's probably what saved me. But we cleaned out the cistern, and we got it working. But I thought, I'm never coming out of this cistern. Well, the, the beatings continued, and the abuse continued, and you know what? There was kind of a... It was the best of times. You've heard that? It was the best of times and the worst of times. I had everything, and I had a parent who, who taught me how to work. We raised hogs, raised cattle, and we were good at it. I won grand champion at Kiowa County with a, a hemp barrow. I had calves. I went to city and placed at the state fair, but I just couldn't take the abuse anymore. I just came to a point where I said, I can't take any of this more, more of this, Mom. About that time, we moved back to Comanche, and that's when everything fell apart. After he continued the beatings down there, I said, Mom, I can't take it. You're going to have to do something. I don't know if I should have made demands or not, but I knew I couldn't go on like that. So I left at 14 years of age, left home, went to stay with my granddad again, worked after school, and uh, didn't get to play sports because I had to work, and I loved it. I loved playing basketball, football, but I couldn't do it because I had to work. So there's the rest of the story. My, my parents and I have reconciled over the years, and things were good, but they were never what they could have been had things been right. So I always try to consider this. I try to consider where has somebody been? What's their story? What makes them do the things that they do? Why did, why did they do that? Well, I had a good friend of mine, and he grew up in Temple. A very similar story to mine. His dad was an alcoholic, and they, had, they were dirt poor. They were dirt poor. He, he stuttered when he was a child. People bullied him. He learned to fight back. And so when I worked with him at Halliburton, he was a very good employee, people would start. He was one of those guys that people just seemed to pick at all the time because of his quirkiness, just people pick at him. I was his defender. If they ever started that around me, I shut it down because I knew where he came from. It's important to know where people come from. Don't be so quick to judge people. Throw them under the bus. Discard them. When I look back in those days, I felt as I was, and looking back, a throwaway kid. There are kids today who grow up feeling like they're discarded. Nobody wants them. It took me a long time to find self-worth, to know that I was special to God. Uh, one thing I will give to my mom, she took me to church when I was a kid. She took me. And you know what? I always felt God's presence. Always. One thing I could count on when things were bad was I could feel God's presence. It made me who I am today. Those things I went through made me who I am today. I remember one time, 
I learned to run. And I learned to run and make football moves because my stepfather was chasing me with a plastic pipe or horse reins, whatever he could, whatever he could get hold of. And you should have seen me. Now, he finally got to the point where he wasn't going to chase me anymore because I'd make a good move and cut. He'd roll around on the ground. I was like, he's in my territory now. If I get in the loose and I get in the open, he ain't going to catch me. But, you know, when I look back, it was hard. It was hard time. But it was the best of times. Because God used those times to open my eyes to what I see today. Okay, now, as we move on transition to this, I'm going to ask a few questions. Now, I don't want answers. I don't want you to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Now, Josh, I've been tricked before. You ever been to a, ser to a sermon and the preacher says, have you ever done, just raise your hand. Drexler, you're raising your hand left and right. And he says, now, if you raise your hand, just come on down to the front. <laughs> if you raise your hand, just stand up. Just go ahead and stand up. So don't raise your hand. You don't have to. I'm not going to set a trap for you, but you don't have to raise your hand. So let me, I, I thought of a few questions, and I'm going to ask a few of them about your childhood. Do you remember feeling made special? And you can shake your head yes if you don't do it. I'm not. You remember having parents that made you feel special? I told Michelle one time, what did that feel like? What did it feel like growing up in a home where you felt special? I didn't know you were supposed to feel special. Mom said, get out of this house and don't come home till the porch light's on. Go play down there in the middle of the highway. Go play on the railroad tracks. I thought she was kidding, but I'm not so sure. <laughs> you had four kids, it's driving you crazy. Get out of this house and don't come home till the light's on. Now on a more positive note, were you brought up in a home where your parents that God told you that God made you in a special way and that there was no one else like you? Did you grow up in a home like that where people made you feel great because you were one of God's and you were special? Boy, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Were you told... I'm proud of you. You made good choices. I'm proud of you. You were honest. I'm proud of you. You did a good job. You worked hard. You gave your best effort. I'm proud of you. Unfortunately, a lot of kids never hear anything like that. Never hear a thing about doing anything good or right. Instead, they hear criticisms. One of the hardest things for me to understand was I shot baskets all the time because there was nothing else to do where I lived out in the country. We could go rabbit hunting, but then when it got dark, we had no telephone pole with a light on it, and I shot hoops all the time. All the time from the dark on, I didn't go in the house, I shot hoops. Well, I was in a sixth grade basketball game. My team scored 18 points. I had 16. 
And my stepdad, after the game, all he did was gripe at me. I'm like, should it be that way? I don't know. I guess he was. I guess I made a lot of mistakes. I'm just thinking, I never heard an encouragement word from him either. In your home growing up, did you feel loved? Did somebody say, I love you? Are you telling your children, I love you? Your grandchildren, I love you? My little granddaughter that burst onto the scene a while ago, I say, oh, you're so pretty. Can I see that pretty smile? And she just smiles. And I say, oh, I'm so proud of you. You're so, you're so lovely. And I can just see how that just builds her up. Did you get words when you were growing up that built you up? That made you feel better about yourself? Did your parents provide for you? Did they protect you? My grandfather one time told me when I was an adult, he said, I'm so sorry I didn't do anything for you. I knew your stepdad was beating you up. I wish I'd have done something. Another positive thing, were you brought up in a house where, in a family, where you were taught the Bible? The Bible was spoken of. It was read in front of you. It was read in your presence. And your parents taught you about the Scripture. And where every day you lived was a learning moment. My kids probably say, Dad, do you have to use every occasion as a learning moment? Derek probably feels that way right now because I think every day is a learning moment. It doesn't matter how old you get. It's a learning moment. And I use every opportunity I can to do it. And Cody, you're going to do that too. Do you know what it's like to be hungry? Did you grow up hungry? Oh, I know what hunger was. A lot of kids do. You know, we don't know. We don't know what kids are going through. There's so many kids now, they're just sent to school so they can get a good meal. There's nothing at home. The only place they're going to feel loved is at school. Did you feel safe growing up? Did you feel safe in your home? Were you hurt or abused by a parent? Did anyone ever try to kill you? If you can say yes to that, you lived in a pretty rough environment as a child. And believe me, there are kids that go through it every day. Did your parents support your activities? Were they there with you when you had a ball game or practice? Or did they just dump you off and said, what time is practice over, coach? I'll come back and get him. What kind of parent were they? What kind of parent are you? Now, the other thing is, don't go too far. I kid my sister. I tell her she's a helicopter mom. She's just hovering everything, just bushwhacking everything, get it out of the way. Did you have parents that spent time with you? They devote their time to you. 
Just a few questions that, that I think of because of my perspective. Probably every one of you have got a different perspective. If you grew up with two parents, you grew up different than most kids. It doesn't matter if they're your real parents or adopted parents. It makes a difference. I used to think, Lord, why don't I have two parents? Why don't I have parents at home? Why don't I have somebody at home? Why don't I have somebody that loves me? How sad is that for a child to say, why doesn't anybody love me? Can you imagine your child feeling that way? A few statistics I want to share with you quickly. Having fathers makes a difference. Having active fathers in a, children's, in a child's life makes a difference. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. That's 10 times the average. Research, research has found that children living in two-parent household with poor relationship with their father are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or use drugs compared to all teens in two-parent households. 70% of youth in state-operated in institutions come from fatherless homes. Prisons are full of young men who grew up without a father. You can see, I could read you many, many more stats, but... You get what I'm talking about here. Fathers make a difference. Parents make a difference. Now, I want to get to the Scripture today. Finally. Sorry it took so long. I want to look at chapter 6. Verse 4. And I want to get to the part of it. Well, let's just look at, chapter, at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I did a lot of studying on just this one verse, Josh, and it just overwhelmed me. The amount... The amount that you could speak on just this one verse. You know, when, when you were young and you're, you're a guy and you ask your father-in-law, can I, can I marry your daughter? Your father-in-law probably didn't say like me. I said, well, let, let me think about it. <laughs> True story. I thought, well, I need to pray about it. Well, that, I was told that was not the right answer. <laughs> but you ask a, a guy, you say, Howard, this is John, Howard, can I have Lori's hand in marriage? 
and hired says, Sean, you better take care of her. Take care of Lori means a lot more than just take care of. It means you make her the focus of this relationship. You love her, you take care of her, you provide, you protect, you put her in situations where she can excel. So when a father says, take care of my daughter, there's a lot of things that go with it. And there's probably a lot of things you never knew there were expectations that came with it, right? So it is becoming a father. You have a huge responsibility. And why do you use it? What is your motivation for this? If I have done, if I have talked nothing at all today about this, bringing this back into God, I failed. Because it is all God. Our desire to be a good parent, to be a good husband, is based on a relationship with God. We, I want to glorify God. I can, I can honestly say in my life now, I'm at a point where I don't have any motives for loving people. The people I work with know that I love them. I don't have any motives other than I want what's best for them. I think my, my family knows that I love them and I care about them. I don't have any other motive, any other agenda. I just love them. How do we provoke our kids to anger? Not being present. You know what? I preferred an abusive stepfather who was present over a father who was never present. I preferred that. I would prefer the beatings and the abuse. At least he was there. The other one wasn't. Don't abandon. Raise your children. Teach your children. It is your responsibility. You know, I think about it in this sense. And as we, we see the words, uh, <laughs> discipline and instruction of the Lord. I don't know anything about karate or whatever, but people say of it as a discipline. Martial arts, it's a discipline, and I think there's certain levels you go through, whatever. I thought of that. There are certain levels and things in our life that we need to know, that we need to grow into. As children, we've got to be a part, actively a part of our children's lives. We've got to teach them. We've got to use every moment as a learning experience. Your kid's going to come home to you someday and say, this happened at school today, Mom. And you're going to have to give counsel on it. And you should. But you should use it as a way of teaching your children long term. The things that happen today. You know what? If I've got to spank a grandchild, man, whew, I don't like that. If I have to discipline a grandchild, I don't like it. But you know what I'm thinking? If I don't do this, what's going to happen in 10 years? I've got a responsibility as a parent or a grandparent to correct my child. If I don't correct my child, what am I telling them? I don't care about you. How many kids are turned loose? Just turn loose. What do you think they, they figure out about their parents? They don't care about me. I'm just, I'm just trouble for them.
Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Teach our children the Bible. Read the Bible to our children. Tell them, like I, I said, told Derek the other day, I said, when your child does something good, compliment them on biblical matters. Thank you for being honest. That glorifies God. Thank you for being obedient because that glorifies God. Thank you for obeying your parents because that is what the Scripture tells us children should do. When we start thanking them, thanking them or recognizing their things that they're doing right based on the Bible, I think it builds them up. It encourages them. We've got a huge responsibility. You know what? I can look back on my life as a parent and I would say, I messed up. I messed up big time. I always say this, I grew up without a father figure. So when I became a father, I had to learn from scratch. I made mistakes. And I've tried to tell my children I've made mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. Commit yourself to your children to being a good father. Don't be lazy. There's so many lazy fathers out there. Deadbeat dads. You have, you've got the responsibility. You are the primary. You and your wife are the primary forces in your child's life. You've got to be active. You've got to be involved. You've got to teach them. Use every situation. Okay, now, maybe you've messed up. Is it too late? No. It's not too late. I think it's good for us to tell our children, listen, I didn't handle that right. I messed up. Please don't, please don't do that to your child. Please forgive me. Did your parents say, please, did you remember your parents say, forgive me? Forgive me, I've messed up. I think we need to have that honesty with our children that we tell them, yes, I messed up, I made a mistake. So, what do you do? You made mistakes as a parent. You go to your child and hopefully, hopefully they'll understand and forgive you. Here's what I told my sister one time. I had a sister that's a little bit older than me, 18 months older than me. And even to, to, into adulthood, she wanted to blame my parents for everything she did. She's 50, 50 years old. She wanted to blame my parents. I said, stop. Stop blaming somebody else. You're 50 years old. Get over it. Get over it. Quit blaming them. You're an adult. You're, you're responsible for your actions now. Now, that getting over your childhood is pretty tough. But you can do it. It takes a long time for some of us. When, I, when my relationship with my parents turned around, I was praying for them. And you know what? I told Michelle, I said, I'm going to love them. I'm just going to love my parents. I don't care what they did. I don't care if they weren't there. I don't care. They're my parents. I'm going to love them. 
And that day that I made that choice, my relationship with them changed. We started developing a growing relationship, and I didn't blame them for things. I tried to look at it this way. I said earlier, you got to know where people come from? My mother came from a situation where she was abandoned as a child. Her mother left her and, three, and two other siblings to be raised by an aunt. My mother grew up without being raised by her real mom. My dad was, you know, the seventh or eighth of a whole slew of kids. And by that time, back in the Depression, my grandparents just wanted kids gone. They wanted them gone. Now, I can't, I can't cover for them and say, that's okay. No, they messed up, but I forgave them. If there's somebody, is there somebody that you're holding uh, something against? Somebody in your life that you felt let you down? Do you need to forgive them? Believe me, you do. Don't hang on to that. Don't hang on to that. You know what? You can do a great job as a parent, and there will be kids out there that say, oh, well, no, it's your fault, Dad. Some of that I, I'm not owning up to. I'm not owning that. Some of that's your child's choices. Oh, believe me, they'll pull that on you. I've seen it happen. Well, it's your fault I did this. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not taking credit for that. You had to stand up and defend yourself at times because, believe me, when kids can turn it on you, they're going to turn it on you. Oh, well, it's not my fault it's yours. Believe me, we make mistakes, but we're not going to own up to every one of them because some of them is the personal choice of our children. So, as parents, we make mistakes. We recognize them. We apologize for them. We try to be the best we can from this point forward. Please teach your children to understand where you came from. Maybe why at that point in your time in your life you were the way you were. When you stop and think about it, 20-something year olds with four kids, that's pretty tough, isn't it? 25 years old with four kids, that was my mom. She was a kid. How can I be too hard on her? Perhaps you grew up and you've been angry with your parents. Forgive them. Just like I told my sister, forgive them. Forgive them. Scripture in the Bible says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I love you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. So, today, Father's Day, I pray that we as fathers would understand the heavy burden that we carry as parents. As fathers, we are responsible to our family, our wife and children. Let's not just give it up and let our wife take care of all of it. Too many times they've been left holding the, the part that dad said he's not going to do, so mama's got to do it all. Don't be that kind of father. Be active in your child's life. Teach your children the Bible. Teach them the Word. Use every opportunity you can as a teaching moment. Love your children. Tell them you love them. Make them feel you love them. Let them know that you love them. And maybe one day your children will grow up and say, 
My parents did a good job. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that as we uh, go about our lives the rest of this week and the days and months to come, Lord, that as parents, fathers and wives, that we take this seriously about being parents. And as long as we have children and as long as we've had children, we'll always be a parent. I pray that we'd use every opportunity, Lord, to, to be such a parent or grandparent, Lord, that it would bring glory to you. And that our desire and our motive would be just to praise you and to glorify you. Father, I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.